Welcome to the weekly podcast of East Point Church of God. Pastor Larry Sterling, we invite you to join us in a service soon. We're located at 379 Avenue A, East Point, Florida. Our service times are 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays and 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. We pray that this week's message inspires you to shine the light of Christ to those around you. So Ezekiel chapter 38, when you find it, stand with me for the reading of the Word of God. Now the Bible says in verse 1, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, set your face against Gog of the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal, and prophesy against him, and say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. I will turn you around, put hooks into your jaws, and lead you out with all your army, horses, and horsemen, all splendidly clothed, a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. Persia, Ethiopia, Libya are with them, all of them with shield and helmet, Gomer and all of its troops, the house of Togomar from the far north and all of its troops, many people are with you. Let's pray. Father, before we finish, Lord, as we go forward into, Lord, the final half of this series, I pray, God, that you would just open our hearts to receive from you. May we understand the the joy of the Lord. May we understand that it's you who are our strength. And so, Lord, I pray over this time this morning, I pray, God, that you would just open our minds and hearts to receive from you. And Lord, I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So in prophetic calendar, looking at the book of Ezekiel, if you would turn back one chapter, which we're not going to do, but Ezekiel 37 speaks of the prophetic fulfillment of, of Israel becoming a nation again. In fact, it's, to the, it's so precise speaking that they, these valley of dry bones are not just a little bit dead. They're very dead. They're very dry, implying that the, there has been significant years So 2,000 years to be precise from the moment that Israel Israel fell to the moment that we see them rise again in, in 1948 within our generation. And so as we see this happening in Ezekiel 37, this prophecy sent a a, a literal earthquake around the world over 60 years ago when it happened in our day and age. And now the very next chapter is the speaking of a great war. Now so what we recognize is over the next few years, God is going to start orchestrating and conducting and getting us to the point of the fulfillment of Ezekiel 38. You see, God is not in a hurry. God is not on some kind of calendar base where he want, when he wants to do something, a day to the Lord is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day. God does when he wants, how he wants, and whatever he wants. And so we cannot say, well, just because 1948 Israel became a land, it's, we, they were going to be a, they were going to, God was going to return in 1988. I remember in 1988, somebody wrote out a book, 88 Reasons Why God Was Coming in 1988. He was wrong, obviously. That, we all missed it somehow. 
So literally, you can't put God in a box when it comes to these things. What you can do, like you, Jesus told us, is look at the seasons. You know, it, it's hot in Florida, but right now, you know, it's not stifling hot. You know what that means? We've gone from, you know, the, the oven to the kitchen now, you know. It's no longer, you can go outside at 2 o'clock in the afternoon and not die, you know, that kind of thing. Some of y'all were warning me when I first got here and, and said, you know, it's really hot. You're not going to want to be outside in the afternoon. And, and so I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay, I'll be all right. Come July, August, you're right. I did not want to be outside in the afternoon. It's hot. But now I woke up one day and I walked outside and it was 71 degrees and I thought, man, we are having cold front city. It is awesome. You know, I was thrilled to death about that. Whew. And uh, never looked forward so much to fall in my life. Now, back on the regular idea though, but we don't know exactly what day exactly it's going to change the seasons, but we know we can feel it. We know the difference is coming. You can sense it in the air. As you get closer and closer and closer, we know on the calendar there's going to be a day on the 21st of September that we're going to recognize as a shifting of the season. But on the other side of it though, we that, that doesn't necessarily mean the weather is going to shift there. It may be a two three weeks, two, three months after that before you feel the full ramification of what's taking place. Likewise, Jesus told us that when you see these seasons changing around you, you'll see a calendar. There'll be things in the calendar, but there will be transition period. And what we are seeing today is the transition period from the end of the Gentile age to the beginning of the age of the kingdom of God that is coming, the millennial reign. And so what we recognize is that before we get there, there must be what is called a great tribulation period. Seven years. Revelation cannot be more specific of how long this period is. He says 1,260 days twice, meaning simply we are going to have three and a half year period and then another three and a half year period. It is, it is precise, 42 months and 42 months. It is telling us exactly how long the tribulation period is, seven years. So at some point, we're going to begin that seven year period. It's going to start at some level. And so we don't know what day that's going to happen, but we can see the season of when it's going to take place and we are watching this happen. Now, there's going to be a great war. And that's the title of the message this morning. There's going to be a great war. And so because there's going to be a great war, there, the people are going to have to be in position and the chess pieces are going to have to be put on the board for them to be in the right place for the initiation of this seven-year period. So over the last several years, decades, God has been positioning the pieces in the right places to begin the right moment. Y'all with me this morning? So I'm going to go through three major passages in the Old Testament. I began with Ezekiel 38, and I'm going to show you the nations that, that are going to be in this war during this time. So if Ezekiel 38 lists some nations here. We will find, number one, you find Magog. Now this is what, this is what was commonly called the, the Battle of Gog and Magog. And you have different, different ideas through here, but within sight of this you find the idea of modern-day Russia. Number two, you have 
Persia, which is modern-day Iran. Number three, you have Kush, which is modern-day Ethiopia. Number four, you have Put, which is modern-day Libya. Number five, you have Gomer, which is modern-day Eastern Europe. And then you have number six, you have Beth Tagamar, which is modern-day Turkey. What we have seen this week and, th- and I'll get to more of this later, is you're seeing an uprising uh, in the Middle East, and you're seeing refugee after refugee flooding into Eastern Europe and going up that continent. Turkey is throwing them out. You're seeing significant changes of the dynamics of that, those countries in that area. And every single one of these nations right now are prophesied, according to Scripture, to take aim at what nation? Israel. That's just one passage. Let's go to the next one. Psalm chapter 83, verse 1. The Bible says, Do not keep silent, O God. Do not hold your peace, and do not be still, O God. For behold, your enemies make a tumult, and those who hate you have lifted up your head. They have taken crafty counsel against your people and consulted together against your sheltered ones. They have said, Come and let us cut them off from being a nation, that the name of Israel may be remembered no more. So there's a grand idea. There's a scheme. There is a, there is a prophetic idea idea here that the psalmist is writing and saying that in the future one day, now remember this has been almost 2,500 over 2,500 years prior to today this was written and said at this moment that the name of Israel be remembered no more now listen to verse 5 of Psalm 83, listen for they have consulted together with one consent and they form a confederacy against you. That Now we're going to list the nations. The tents of Edom and the Ishmaelites, Moab and the Hagarites, Gebo and Ammon and Amalek and Philistia, the inhabitants of Tyr, Assyria has also joined with them and they help the children of Lot. Now let us list these nations in modern day, modern day time. Now you have the tents of Edom. This would cover the area of modern day southern Jordan, which is right east of Israel today. You have the Ishmaelites, which is modern day Saudi Arabia. You have Moab, which is modern day central Jordan. You have the Hagrites, which is in modern day Egypt. You have Gebel, which is modern day Lebanon. You have Ammon, which is modern day northern Jordan. You have Amalek, which is modern day Sinai Peninsula. You have Philistia, which is modern day Gaza, or otherwise known as today Hamas. You have people of Tyre, which is modern-day southern Lebanon, which is what is commonly in the news known as Hezbollah. Psalm 83, Ezekiel 38, put them together. Assyria, one more, is modern-day Syria and Iraq. All of these areas. So you have Iran, Iraq. All of these areas surrounding Israel, all of these nations are in one moment are going to conform a confederacy together and they're going to launch an attack against Israel. This is what the Bible prophesied. Now what are they doing right now? 
They are, they are meeting with one another right now. Who was in our country this week, bought out an entire hotel, the king of Saudi Arabia. In the next couple of weeks, you're going to see when the United Nations come together, you're going to watch some things take place that are going to astound you. But if you hear, heard some of these names of some of these countries that are there, that are listed, each and every single one of them right now are against Israel in some way, some form, somehow. And we are looking at what the ultimate result of this war is going to be. This war is going to take place. And when does this war happen? Is it going to happen before the rapture or after the rapture? I don't know. I don't know. God doesn't say this war is going to happen and then you're going to be gone or you're going to be gone and then this war is going to take place. We don't know. We don't know exactly. You can speculate one way or the other. What we do know is that there will be a war. It is all the players are in the right place at this moment for the attack to begin. Obadiah chapter, well, there's only Obadiah, one chapter, but verse 15. The Bible says this, For the day of the Lord upon all the nations is near. And as you have done, it shall be done to you. Your reprisal shall return upon your own head. For as you drank on my holy mountain, so shall all the nations drink continually. Yes, they shall drink and swallow, and they shall be as though they had never been. But on Mount Zion there shall be deliverance. There shall be holiness. The house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. The house of Jacob shall be a fire. The house of Joseph a flame. But the house of Esau shall be stubble. They shall kindle them, devour them. No survivor shall remain on the house of Esau. For the Lord has spoken. The south shall possess the mountains of Esau. The lowland shall possess Philistines. They shall possess the fields of Ephraim and the fields of Samaria, and Benjamin shall possess Gilead, and the captives of this host of the children of Israel shall possess the land of the Canaanites. As far as Zarephath, the captives of Jerusalem who are in Siphrod shall possess the cities of the south. Then Savior shall come to Mount Zion to judge the kingdom shall be the Lord, shall be the Lord's. Now, Obadiah 15 verse well, 15 through 21. Now, let's go through the nations on this list. First of all, the house of Jacob, that one's easy. These are the Jews. This is Israel. The house of Esau, this is basically essentially a, a generic form of all the Arabs that are around there. The south that is mentioned in the time, or Negev, depending on your Bible translation, is modern-day Israel. The mountains of Esau are modern-day Jordan. The people from the lowland, again, is modern-day Israel. They're going to possess the land of the Philistines, which is modern-day Gaza. The fields of Ephraim and Samaria, this is modern-day West Bank. Benjamin will possess Gilead. This is the east banks of the Jordan River, which is modern-day Jordan. God says he's going to intervene and Israel is going to take possession of their inheritance. All of this is being set up around us. So you've got to ask yourself a question. The Bible has prophesied this. Is our God strong enough to do it? You hearing me? 
You've got to ask yourself, you're seeing all these, these names. I'm trying to put modern names into the old Bible so that you understand what is happening around you so that you can get a glimmer of what is about ready to take place. You're seeing these new these nations, these peoples that are going to rise up against Israel. So the question that you've got to ask yourself again, does God have power over nations to, for their rising and their falling? Does God really have this kind of power? I mean, you all, I know I'm preaching to the choir. I hope so that you would say yes, that God has this power. But let's look in within the last hundred years to watch God do something marvelous in our eyes over we've seen. You see, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 13, verse 1, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no, this is a key, for there is no authority except from God and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Everything, whether it's for good or for not, God is orchestrating it. You, when you resist the, the, the flow of what God's doing, you're going to be resisting the hand of God. So God, so Paul tells us, therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. So if you try to stop what God's prophetically doing, you're going to reap that that falsehood you're going to it's going to hit you so you've got to be careful that you're not walking against what God has in store for this world I don't want to these this war is going to take place this when this war is going to happen we don't know but we do know that it's soon and very soon it is clear that is happening around us all these pieces of the puzzle are there in front of us and we are looking at this at this question, does God have power? The answer is yes. God ordains all these things. So then, if a nation would, would covenant with God, if a nation would say, God, we want you to be our God. We want you to bless us, and we want you to prosper us. But we know that unless we have you in our lives and in our country and in our land, God, we know we will not be blessed. And so any nation that calls unto the Lord, the Bible says that if in whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So let's go back into our own history and let's look at our own little timeline here compared to the history of the world. And let's see, did America, because they don't want you to know this today because they'd say America wasn't Amer- a Christian nation. America wasn't founded on Christian ideals. It was never an idea that we made a covenant with God. They say it over and over and over. And then they start telling you about the founders' histories and all their lives and this junk that they talk about. Let, let's actually look at at what happened historically in our land. Is our nation blessed today because we made a covenant with God? That's the question. Now let's look at the very beginning in 1776. I preached this several weeks ago about an appeal to heaven. The Declaration of Independence written by Thomas Jefferson at the last paragraph says this. We therefore, the representatives of the United States of America in general Congress assembled appealing to the supreme judge of the world for the restitute of our intentions due in the name and by authority of the good people of these colonies solemnly publish and declare that these united colonies are and of right ought to be free and independent states. 
What did they do? They said, we appeal to God. And we ask the Lord to look upon our cause. And then if it is God's will that we would be successful in this cause. And they signed that declaration of independence under the auspice of a prayer that God would intervene. And they would, as I showed you that appeal to heaven flag several weeks ago. That they began to fly these flags. But prior to that, they were flying flags of, of this tree that said appeal to heaven. And everywhere they went, they were crying out to God on behalf of our land. If it was God's will that this land would be born. And then on April the 30th, nine, uh, sorry, 1789, April 30th, 1789, we had our first inauguration of George Washington. George Washington became our first president. And so what happens is that in, at that time, Washington, D.C. did not exist. And so we saw they, what happened is that they went into New York City. And as they were around New York City, they were celebrating this inaugural moment of the first president of the United States. And so the first president of the United States said this. It would be part, peculiar improper. To admit in this first official act my fervent supplication that almighty being who rules over the universe, who presides in the councils of nations, whose providential aids can supply every human defect that his benediction may consecrate to the liberties and the happiness of the people of the United States, a government instituted by themselves for these essential purposes. He covenants and says, my first act is to cry out to God of this universe and to say, help us grow, help us become, help us be who we, who we can be, help us. And so they, they had the swearing in, and then Washington took his people, he took the Senate and the representatives at that time period, and they went down to a church, they went down to St. Paul's Chapel, and they had a prayer meeting. And they all spent time in prayer before God, that God would cover this land. Are you hearing me today? So not to say that America is something special in the sense that, 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 that we are a special people. What it says is that we made a covenant with God and God blessed us. We are special. We are blessed today as a people because of the blessings of God. Not because we earned it and not because we deserved it and not because we are something of some kind of heritage but because God rested his favor on this land. Y'all with me? And so we go on. And during this prayer, they went, they entered through these doors, and they went outside, and they began to consecrate this new nation's future in the hands of God. And they began to say, Lord, this is where we desire. This is where you, we, we say, God, protect us. God, sustain us. God, watch over us. But there's also another name for that area today where they prayed. 
and where they sought the Lord. It's called ground zero. You know what ground zero means? 9-11-2001. The towers, the twin towers in New York City fell to the ground. We had not seen anything like that to that moment. You Now, I want to keep going. I can't stay here too long because some of y'all are going to have to spend time with Jesus here. Because every time I do, I, every time I go through this sermon, I just need to spend time with the Lord. Make sure everything's right between me and God. Deuteronomy 15 tells us this. At the end of every seven years, you shall grant a release of debts. And this is a form of the release. Every creditor who has lent anything to his neighbor shall release it. He shall not require it of his neighbor or his brother because it is called the Lord's release. Now what this is, this is scripture and Hebrew, you will, you probably have heard this before. It's called the Shemitah. It is found, it's, it's translated the Lord's release in English here. But it means that there is a, this is a seven year cycle that God had instituted in our and time period, and when God says something, it comes to pass. Y'all with me? When God says this is the way it's going to be, that's the way it's going to be. And so we have, we, we say, well, that was an old book written in an old time, and those dates don't matter to us today. Well, let's see if it actually does. Because in the month that we are currently in, is called in Hebrew, remember we've talked about Jewish dating, we are in the current month called Elul, when there are, there are 29 days in this month, and during this particular month, we got, we have one more one more moment here, and then we go into what's called the new year or Rosh Hashanah, and that's going to begin here in just a little while. But during the month of Elul, it is the time period of repentance. It is the time period to remember, but it's also the final and the climax of the of the seven-year cycle of the Shemitah, meaning simply it begins on one Tishri at the very beginning, and it goes all the way to the next year and, and the 29th of Elul at the very end. So by our calendar, one full year, it will start in one year and and it will end by our calendar in another year. And so we are currently in the year Hebrew year 5775, 5775 years since Adam opened his eyes. That's what a Hebrew tradition says. So when Adam opened his eyes, it's been 5775 years. We are going into the 5776th year, according to the Jewish people, that there has been the time period of the humanity on earth earth. Now, looking at the Shemitah, what does that mean for us? Let's look a hundred years ago in the year 1916 through the year 1917. So in September of the year 1916 to all the way around to September of the year 1917, we begin with the Shemitah. Y'all follow me because I'm going to go quick and if you just hold on because I got to get to the end here. Now, what happens during this time period? If you know your world history, that is the beginning. The, the beginning of World War I took place just a few short years before. And what happened during this, this Shemitah time period, you saw the collapse of old empires in Europe that went from German to Austro-Hungary to Ottoman and the Russian Empire. They collapsed during this Shemitah time period. Well, maybe that's coincidence. Well, let's go to the next one that I have on my dating 
here, 1937 to 1938. During that time, we see the rise of the new German aggression, and the annex of Austria took place in the spring of 1938, thus beginning a new era for the German forces over there that ended in the horrific Holocaust several years later. But you saw Hitler going out and starting his work in the world. That this Shemitah time period, from that moment to the next, you saw a colossal change that was going to take place in our world. The, the old world order was dying out and a new world was going to be birthed. In 1944 to 1945 was the last Shemitah, I mean the next Shemitah that took place after that. You saw, you saw the collapse of colonial powers. You saw the beginning of the atomic age when we dropped the bomb in Japan. You saw the Cold War begin and you saw the beginning of the age of America happen at that moment in time. We became a superpower and it is our peaceful influence that has held much of this world together for these many years. Go with me. And then we could, I could go through the dates, 51, 52, 58, 59, 65, 66. You can look at it for yourself. But 72 to 73, we see something happen in America where you see in January of 73, abortion is illegalized in this country. And then all of a sudden, the moral state of this land begins to take a nosedive. Then you go through 79 and 80, 86 and 87. 87, you saw a financial collapse. 93 and 94, you see different issues. Issues happening there. And then we find ourselves at the Shemitah that everybody's familiar with in our day and age, 2000 to 2001. And on September the 11th, we saw an attack of our land that the World Trade Center hit the ground and was destroyed in that moment. The very area where the, our land was, was consecrated to God, it is almost as if if we would not repent, God was going to remove the favor from us. And then the the stock exchange closed down for six days, and when it reopened the following Monday, it suffered to that date the greatest loss, the crash, in September 17, 2001. And you understand something important? It happened on the 29th of Elul, the last day of the Shemitah. Seven years later, in 2008, Seven years later, you see a collapse. And early, it began in early September. And by the end of September, you saw a collapse that was unprecedented in our land. Y'all remember the time when people were lining outside their banks going for their monies and going for different things and, and they were lining up. They were scared to death. You saw Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, Lehman Brothers. All of these were on the verge of collapse. Our government had to literally intervene. And what took place, they said, it was the most dramatic economic intervention since the Great Depression. The federal government seized control of corporations, placing them under government concern conservatorship meaning simply that unless the government had inter intervened in the situation, we would have seen a collapse of proportional things that we had not seen. Literally, we saw over $5 trillion leave the market in just a month. And what took place 
the event than anything else that shattered marketplace over the next several weeks. The Dow fell to close to 2,700 points, a decline of almost 25%. And all of this began on the end of the Shemitah, seven years from the very day that the previous one happened in 2001. And one day, at that day, stocks lost 777 points, or 7%. September 29th, 2008. The 29th of Elul. Y'all with me now? I hope so. I told somebody earlier, I said, I feel like I just got to give bad news, and I don't like it. But now, if you're doing the math, where are we today? We are at the tail end of the next cycle of the Shemitah. Now, let me tell you something, because this is something that should give you good hope. We will not see an epic collapse of the Dow Jones on the day of Shemitah, the final day on the 29th of Elul, because it's on a Sunday, and the Dow Jones ain't open that day. So I can guarantee you that. You're not, but that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean anything. Financially speaking, when, you began, when we began this month of Elul, when we began this month of Elul, we were at a certain point in the Dow Jones, and now over the last, I mean, I'm saying we've, we've started to decline from Elul 1 to today. I checked it this morning. We've dropped over 1,400 points since the first of Elul, which has started in August. Now, Again, if you're doing the math, 29th of Elul is next Sunday. Next Sunday. Y'all be in church, all right? The next Sunday is the last day of this prophetic this cycle. What we have seen this week, not only in stocks, don't know whether they're coming or going. You see, it doesn't have to be financial. It doesn't have to be this way or that way. It's God orchestrating the events of our day. And one week last week, we saw open season on our police in Houston and Chicago and other places. You're seeing different uh, the, the violence of our land going crazy. You're seeing Senate last week. I'm saying last week, Senate, our Senate, sided with Iran over Israel, or in the Bible terms, Persia, meaning that they, the same nation that says death to America, the same nation that says that there's going to be, there's a place that they want to kill us, we sided with them, and they want to destroy Israel. The Republicans and Democrats are involved in this process. Meanwhile, 70% of American people are against this deal. A new Planned Parenthood video hits this week, last week talking about the closing of eyes of severed heads so that those who receive the spare parts of these babies' bodies don't pass out, don't be, they're not afraid. And Congress just gave Planned Parenthood more money last week. Christians in Syria were given 48 hours to convert or leave or die, and they're being slaughtered in ISIS. They're being slaughtered on a regular basis. You're seeing refugees that are flooding Europe this last week. 
All this instability, all this taking place. You're seeing Syrian, Somali, Iraqi Muslims, and thousands are, are, are out there. And our State Department is taking all these Muslims into our country, but they're not taking the Christians. Children are being crucified. Women are sold as slaves. Girls and young are being raped eight to ten times a day. Within 18 months, there will be no more Christians in Iraq or Syria. All of this, all these players, all this is set up. I want to tell you that God is working right now in our land. And I want to speak something very important to you today. That the Bible, I don't want you to be afraid nor dismayed. I want you to look up. Because your redemption is drawing nigh. I'm telling you that we are in a day and age that people have longed to, that have longed for to see. Even though the trial is great and even though the pain pain is large, I was praying about this this morning and I was looking forward to this moment because I just want to release this and be done because I want to tell you that I've been praying and seeking God and God is just in my spirit confirming to me, we I'm coming again, I'm coming again I'm coming again and if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land we need to cry out to God again. We need to get in back in the altars again. We need to be on fire for God again. We need to stop playing games for soon and very soon we're going to see the king because one day you're going to look up and there's going to be your savior and all things are about ready to be made new and yes there's trial and yes there's pain but he behold the king of kings and the lord of lords is about ready to present himself and we shall rule and reign with him forever and forever and forever and forever and forever. Praise God. Sister, will you stand with me in this room? I have not brought this message to you to frighten you, but to encourage you to look up, to be ready, to pray over your family, to pray over your children, to pray over your people, to pray over your community, to to stop playing games with anything, to throw it away. The morality of our country is in fast and quick decline. We need to be on fire for the Lord again. There were so many other horrific things I could have mentioned that happened last week that I'm not going to go into this morning because I just want you to get to this moment right here. God is orchestrating these things. And I can tell you, it wasn't very, it didn't feel very good for the people of Germany when, when the, back in 1916, when they, they put their trust in all these other things, but God was orchestrating it. I want to tell you that during the time period of the, of the 30, late 30s and in the early 40s, the Jewish people, that they went through that period of struggle where 6 million of them were slaughtered and they'd gone through that. But yet Israel, the land that we understand today, was birthed out of that because of that. All these things are happening for a reason because God says, I'm coming again. I'm coming again and I'm looking for a people that are ready You know, if, if I told you I was coming by your house 
And I said, and I said, I'm going to be there at, on September the 10th this week at 6 o'clock p.m. But I will not wait. I have to be somewhere at a certain time. And if you're not ready at that moment, then I'm going to keep going. And so what would you do? I would hope if you wanted to go, you would, you would stand out on the porch and you would be watching just in case I might be a little early. Just in case my clock is different from your clock. Just in case we, we had everything Maybe a little bit confused. Maybe I was running a little behind. Maybe I tarried just a little bit long. But you stayed on the porch because you knew you wanted to go, so you waited. And you watched. And you were ready. When the moment I drove up, you jumped in the car and we went on. I want to tell you, this is the atmosphere that we are living in. You've got to be watching. You've got to be ready. How are you can be watching and ready? You've got to look to the Lord. You've got to watch for God. You've got to spend time with Jesus. You've got to renew the fire, the gift, and stir it up with inside of you. Get back praying. Get back seeking God. Look to the Lord, the author and finisher of your faith. Look to Jesus Christ. Get yourself ready and watch. Maybe he might come tomorrow. Maybe he might come 15 years from now. But let's be watching. Let's be waiting. Let's be ready. Thank you for listening to the weekly podcast of East Point Church of God and Pastor Larry Sterling. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.